Oh dear. Um. Uh. So uh, today we're only gonna be able to have one mediator with us because of an incident prior to the show. Um. His name is Jai Gubbard, and he will be controlling our conversation today between a Union and Confederate soldier about the Battle of Shiloh, which took place during the Civil War. Take it away, Jai. Welcome to another episode of the Same Story, Several Sides podcast, also known as SQ. Today, we have a member of the Union and Confederate Army here to speak with us. Howdy, Confederate soldier here. The name is Billy. Hail Billy, and I'm happy to converse with you fellas on this fine day. Hello, my name is Smith, Cole Smith. I'd like to know about what happened in the Battle of Shiloh. Happy to oblige. Sounds most delightful. Well, first of all, tell us what happened to Stonewall Jackson. I expected to see a lot more of him, especially considering his bravery during the first battle of Bull Well, you see, some blunderbusses saw Jackson and mistook him for a Union soldier. Ah, yes. I heard about this at the end of the Battle of Chancellorsville. You're darn right. He got shot, and so I had to cut his arm off myself, you hear? I had to use that saw thing, and it came right off. It was like butter. Too bad he still had to die of pneumonia. Why did you have to cut off his arm, though? Because I was saying before, I was really interrupted. Some blunderbusses mistook him, shot him in the arm, and if you leave that untreated, it's going to get infected. You lost your best general by your own hand. So then, who led your army in the Battle of Shiloh? Well, that would be our fine general, Albert Sidney Johnston. Oh, that idiot? He's not an idiot. I'll have you know, he went to West Point. Well, let's not fight even though I know there's a lot of tension between you guys. Actually, may I ask why there's so much tension? It's because the North doesn't want slavery. Because they can't see the value in free labor. They're too busy with their machines. <laughs> they don't know real work. The man's work. The work us Southerners do in the field. What work? All you do is sit around and maybe sometimes watch the slaves as they work. I'll have you know it's called supervision. And it's darn tiring, you hear? You wouldn't know work if it slapped you in the face. Well, let's not get too rowdy here. You are both Americans. No way. We are gonna succeed with our superior military leadership. Do we need to remind you of our mil- multitude of men, guns, transportation, and materials? Stop arguing and tell us about the Battle of Shiloh. Ah yes, what a glorious victory for our army. Y'all didn't win, we won. Ulysses S. Grant led us to victory. He stood strong and was able to push you guys further south. It was a great victory for us and marked the beginning of Grant's rise to fame and power. If you ask me, we definitely killed way more of your soldiers than you kill of ours. That only happened because you ambushed our camp while we were eating our morning meal. Stay vigilant. All is fair in love and war. Stay vigilant. Some of us were sleeping. You brought thousands of Confederate soldiers to kill us all in cold blood. If we could please keep this civil, that would be appreciated. Keep it civil? We're not the ones who started this war. Then what would you call Fort Sumter? Hmm, maybe a fireworks show corroborating the day the South became an independent nation. Can I get an amen? Can we please stay on task here? Yes, of course. So basically, 
You're just mad because our fireworks show accidentally killed your pretty little horse. You're just mad because General Grant was smart enough to call for reinforcements and crush your army the next morning if you ambushed us, you imbecile. Yeah, yeah. We still won most of our military confrontations since the war began. <laughs> we had you guys running back and calling for your mommies by mid-afternoon. That's enough. Let's settle this like man. For the last time, could we please calm down? I understand you're upset and that you both lost fellow soldiers. There were over 17,000 casualties in this battle. Yes, it truly was a sad couple of days. I couldn't agree more. But at least we learned the importance of fortifications. Don't forget about trenches and sending out scouts. Ah yes, that is very important. I'm glad that we could finally come to an agreement, but unfortunately, our time is almost up. Well, this was certainly interesting. Yes, indeed it was. I was happy to share my story. Well, thank you both, and thank you to our listeners. This has been another episode of Same Story, Several Sides Podcast. Welcome back to the second segment of our three-part series on the Civil War that we are doing here. I would just like to thank you all for sticking around with us through the first one, and we hope you enjoyed this one just as much as the last one. But first, we have a word from our sponsor, Old Spice. Old Spice is a sponsor of S-Cubed. Just imagine how much cleaner the war would be if the soldiers had some Old Spice antiperspirant deodorant, body wash, shampoo, body spray, and maybe even some cologne to spice up the place. Diseases would have been down, and the battlefield would smell sexy fierce. Get your Old Spice today. Thank you from our sponsor, Old Spice. In today's podcast, we have the same mediator, Dry Gubbard, and two Southerners named Otis and Huckleberry to talk to us about the battle that took place on March 9th, 1862. This was a battle between two ships known as Ironclads, which was the first modern-day warship confrontation. But before the episode starts, just a disclaimer, we had Michael Iannuzzi's permission to use his name in this episode. Take it away, Jai. Hello, listeners, and welcome to part two of the Same Story, Several Signs podcast, also known as SQ. For this segment, we have two members involved in the grandest larceny of the Civil War. Darn tootin'. Yes, sir, that is correct. Our listeners would like for you to explain what exactly was taken if you wouldn't find well, you see, we found a giant piece of wood. It's, yeah, it's called a boat, you nimrod. Yeah, all right, whatever. Anyway, Stephen Mallory. He's our Confederate Secretary of our Navy. Stop interrupting me and let me finish. Mallory ordered us to slap some metal on it after we found it near the coast of Virginia. It drowned in that big old lake, that poor thing. Do you mean the Atlantic Ocean? And we were ordered to plate that boat with metal, not slap some metal on it. We did it in order to protect the boat, the Merrimack, from Union fire. Gee, you guys argue almost as much as my last two guests. And just how did you come up with this idea? Well, we sort of stole the boat from the Union. Then we renamed it the Virginia, which was the first ironclad boat. If you ask me, it looks more like a giant cheese box with a giant shingle more than a boat. Unfortunately, those Union soldiers can't truly be American cheese. You are quite an interesting character, Huckleberry. I heard that the engineer, 
John Erickson actually meant for it to look like a giant cheese box. Actually, the coolest part was not the cheese. It was the about the boats. It was the two guns mounted on revolving turrets. It's truly a sight to see. So then, what happened during the battle itself? Well, when we first got into the water, we were able to destroy three wooden Union ships. Three ships? We absolutely wrecked those ships. We burned one, sank another, and drove one back to shore. We actually rammed into one of them, specifically the USS Cumberland. I got the idea from my pig down south. Let me tell you about this pig. Its name was Ak Mayanuzi, and it was a dumb fella. It would smash its head in up against the gate until the gate broke. That was great old pig. But that's when the battle got tough after we were done with those ships. Why did it get tough? Because the Union sent out the monitor. It was the it was the Union Navy's ironclad. So did the winning the Union win this battle? Well, technically it was a draw, but obviously I think we won. And why is that? We sunk three of their ships. That's a big number. My mama doesn't even have three toes. You got that much right, old Huckleberry. We decided to attack because shooting at them wasn't gonna win us the ironclad battle. Why weren't the guns working during the battle? Well, you see, part of the beauty of these fine specimens known as ironclads was the metal plating on it, which makes the, so the cannonballs would bounce off the ships like rat watermelons on a cow's behind. Say, what now? You heard me. The iron made the ships pretty unstoppable against their age technology. The cannons were no match for the improved ships. The cannons could tear through wooden ships, but these new iron ships, man, they were sad to see. Is that all they could do? Oh, no. They could do much more than that. They were fireproof. I completely forgot to tell you, Jai. Have you heard about the new guns that, were, that we have now? No, I think I would remember that. Tell me all about it. It's called a rifle, and it's so much deadlier than the old muskets. They were much more accurate than our old guns. When we were in target practice, my regiment was doing so much better. We hit almost every bottle. Don't forget to mention how quickly we were able to fire those guns. I was getting to that. It's all right. I can tell Jai about it. So basically, the rifle made it easier to reload the gun powder, shove it down, and load those bullets, resulting in even faster discharging of our weapons. So in battle, we could shoot more Union soldiers. We also had new bullets called mini A-balls. They had special grooves. Mm, theirs were so fine. It would actually make them fly straight. Much better than the old musket balls. Well, this was a very interesting conversation. Thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Man, you are very welcome. Happy to help. Thank you for our listeners, and join us next time on SQ. Welcome back to Skewed, baby. I'm so happy to be back for you guys. And uh, But unfortunately, this may be the last podcast since our mediator, Jai Gubbard, will be going on to American Idol and continuing his future. Um, make sure to tune in to American Idol where he will be performing I Will Always Love You by Winnie Houston. He is such a great singing voice if you can't tell already. But before we go on with what we have um, today in today's episode... We have another sponsorship from Monster Energy Drinks. 
Hey, what's up? What's poppin'? What's crackalackin'? It's Kyle here. I want to talk to y'all about Monster Energy and why it's the gnarliest drink ever created, man. It's kachow. Sad dude. I mean, bochachos. Just imagine the Civil War, but if the soldiers had some extra energy, it would be crazy hype, man. It would be lit and those soldiers would be able to fight way better, bro. Those sleepless nights would not be no more, baby. They have all the energy they need. Get your monster today. Um, well, that was interesting. Thank you, Kyle, for sharing with us. Well, now back to our podcast where we have a northern factory owner and a Confederate soldier's mom. Take it away, Jai. Welcome to the final installment of our three-part series on the Civil War. I've enjoyed my time here, and I love doing this for a job. But like I said before, this will be my last show. Enough about me. Today, we have two guests here. A wealthy man from the north and a woman from the south. Thank you for being here today, and I just want to say that it is an honor to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. I would love to be here, except I'm in the presence of cowards. And why is that? Because Montgomery here apparently paid $300 to not fight in the war. Slow down. There's more to the story than just that. Go ahead, Montgomery. What do you mean? Yes, please, do explain. I have a very successful factory in the north. It's thriving on the war. I do not want to give that up. Is there even anyone to work in your factory? All the men are at war. At least all the brave men. The men are fighting, but the women work. Since when are women allowed to work? As long as I can remember. That's not fair. Southern women aren't allowed to work in factories. What do the women make? They really help out the war effort. They make mini eight balls and rifles. I wish I was able to help out like that. Our women are one of the many reasons that the North will win the war. I have to disagree. I think our generals are way better than yours, and so we will win. All you have is Robert E. Lee, because your beloved Stonewall Jackson already died. He is still better than all y'all generals combined. Even so, you guys do not have the supplies to fight this long war. That doesn't make any sense. Why are all the southern generals so much better than the northern generals? Because they all went to West Point. So did the northern generals. But my question still stands. Why were they so much better? It's because of the Mexican-American War. That gave them the experience that put them over the edge and set them up for greatness in this war. But we were not really worrying about that. We were able to transport our Menier bullets and the new rifles way faster because of miles upon miles of train track. And Beatrice, do you remember the Compromise of 1850, the one where we were able to lay down even more train track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you realize we're fighting a defensive war? My son wrote to me saying that they're winning practically all the battles and that they know the landscape of the region and that they know that they are going to win. We have way more manpower though. With the implementation of conscription, we have more soldiers than ever before. We have a draft too, you know. Yeah, but only yeah, but you only draft white men between 18 and 35. We draft all men between eight, between 20 and 45. That's irrelevant. We still win. We draft men in their prime years. It is all about numbers at the end of the day. We even have African Americans helping fight in this war. 
They're a very helpful and a vital asset to the Union Army. At least, that is what everybody is talking about up north. But we didn't want them fighting for us. Anyway, we will stick to our white soldiers. How ignorant can you be? It's people like you that make us fight this war. I hate to intervene, but we are running out of time. Well, it was great to be here. I disagree once again. That doesn't matter. We will see who wins. The victory will do the talking. All right, all right. Stop arguing. I'd like to thank our listeners one more time and leave on a good note. Goodbye forever.